Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. All right, so we are we are live now. This is episode 167 of the Gail and Trombley Show with uh, Dina Giltz McCullough. She is the president and CEO of Northern Insuring Agency. We also have her trusty sidekick, Zoom, here, who I think I, re- I read on this. I probably should have quality time with her schnoodle puppy, Zoom, and she is a mainstay around the office, I hear. Absolutely. She's our chief comfort officer. We'll see how she does today, Galen. She, she, she's doing good so far. She, she was very animated. I thought my assistant was going to take her with home with her, mm-hmm. uh, but we ended up sneaking her in the office, so she's going to be safe, and she'll be leading with, leaving with mom, hopefully. So, <laughs> D- Dina, for anybody that does not know you, kind of give us a rundown who you are, what you do, mm-hmm. background, all that good jazz. Oh, geez. Like, what's my story? So I, like you said, my name is Dina Giltz McCullough. I'm a third generation president CEO of Northern Insuring Agency. Um, I've been in the president uh-huh. role since 2008, um, and I joined the organization in 1985. Um, my grandpa was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and my dad called my newly married self in Texas and said, how would you like to come back? And joined the insurance agency, and my husband, Mark, who was a military guy, gave up his military career and said, yes, I would love to live in Plattsburgh for the rest of my life. Was he from Plattsburgh? No, he was stationed here in the Air Force. Okay. Um, right out of Penn State, this is was his assignment. He went in the Air Force, and he, they assigned him to Plattsburgh. So you met him while you were in Plattsburgh. So you're from Plattsburgh. I did. I met, I'm from Plattsburgh. I was born and raised here. Okay. Yep, and Mark was not. Mark was born in Japan. He's not Japanese, but he was born in Japan. Okay. Military family as well. And so then you moved down to Texas, like San Antonio? Uh, he was in Abilene, and I was okay. in Fort Worth. So okay. we both had jobs there. And uh, he, Mark was is a bioenvironmental engineer. I say that because that's not what he does currently. He's retired. He's a farmer, has a vineyard that he's growing cold-hardy red grapes. In fact, he would be a much more interesting person to talk to. <laughs> Colin actually I, mentioned that. Yeah. Maybe that's where he got the wine from. I know, exactly. I think he would be much more interesting in many ways. And the insurance tends to be a little dry. I keep trying to make it sexy, but you know, so, so insurance. So I get, okay, so let's talk about insurance. So I had I had your son Colin on, and I get along great with Colin, and we had we had some good good talks and, and laughs and stuff. And he was obviously explaining that he's the fourth generation now of the company. That's correct. Um, so third generation, he gave me the background, started on Sable, your great grandfather no my grandfather or sorry his, your grandfather. his great-grandfather correct and then your grand or your father who is Ron. rod yeah rod okay rod so then rod then you and then colin so you came on in the 80s so how how was that coming on in the 80s versus where you're at now and like the size and scope and everything over the last what 30 something years yeah it's been 36 years galen and um obviously lots changed in 36 years um I would say top of the list is the women in 1985 when I joined were not, there was nobody else in sales that was a woman. Um, So that's kind of, you know, like you've seen that trajectory in a lot of businesses where women have become much more prominent. And 
I was not very good at the first jobs they gave me to do. I was, I started in the mail room and I answered phones at the front desk for a while. And then they put me in a service. Anyway, I was really not good at these things. And they said, well, let's just give her a sales job. So (laughs) that is where I found much more of what was interesting for me. And it's interesting this past week, I was just talking with the son of a guy um, that mentored me quite a bit in those early days. And it was before we had a mentoring program. His name was uh, Bill Smith, William Smith. And his son, Mark, just reached out to me about uh, some things that were on his mind. And Bill passed away, unfortunately, now several years ago. But Bill was great. And um, he really, really took me under his wing and gave me great guidance. And that's what I needed to get started. And Bill was part of the company at the time? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so when you started out, um, so you started out in sales. Did you find that, I mean... Did, were you drawn to insurance? Like what was the, cause obviously your dad reached out to you. To it was back. really just that Galen. I don't think I ever had any expectation. I mean, I went to college, graduated with a degree in sociology and fine arts from St. Lawrence university. And I don't think those were the days of maybe some people did, but I wasn't really thinking more broadly about what my future would be. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as much pressure then to get it all figured out and know what you were going to do um, and go to career services and everything. So I don't know. When I went to Texas, I worked for even a temporary um, staffing company. And uh, then I came, I was working for a life insurance company. I don't know. I think I just felt like everything would work out. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it was really just dad asked and I love my dad um, with all my heart. And I said, yes, dad for you and love my grandpa too. How, how, yeah, we we Zoom's piping in here. That's fine. We'll have to get him on the mic. The, uh, yeah. So, um, roughly what age were you when you came back? I was 23. Oh yeah. Okay. So very young. And yeah. I think nowadays I actually had this conversation with, uh, the guy that's been shadowing. He's, he's kind of, um, trying to get in real estate. And he, he said that he goes, you know, I wish at 20, I knew more of what I knew at 30. Cause we were yeah. all about 30. And like I said, 23, you're kind of just testing the waters and so many Absolutely. things. Um, so when you came back, you started out with the sales. Now, again, back you were the only female in the sales department? I was, time, yes, I was it. No, I okay. was the first and the only for a period of time. So when you say what's really different, certainly. Oh, there's Zoom with her bones making a little background noise here. We'll see how that goes, Galen. <laughs> but um, uh, that was really, a. I would say, the men mostly were nice to me, mm-hmm. but uh, not always. I mean, there was chauvinism is a strong thing that happens still, I think, to this day in the world and in business and in, you know, the insurance business. Uh, But for the most part, they were really great. And um, it's not for prime time, but there was an early story that happened where I asked Mark for his advice, how I would level the playing field with this group of guys that would always, you know, if a bad word was said, they'd say to me, um, oh, excuse me. And they changed the topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. And finally, I just used a comeback for them that, like I say, I wouldn't really be appropriate to say because it would be like saying a bad word. But that's <laughs> what I ended up doing. And their jaws just kind of dropped. And they said, okay, that's clear. She can hang. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't really want to be in a different category. Um, so now when do you, when did you start to have, or how long were you in sales, I guess, and where did you go after sales? So for sales, I'm still in sales. I okay. still have a have a really nice group of clients that I work with. I would say larger clients, long relationships, mm-hmm. um, people that I've worked, um, I would say, closely with for, gosh, some of them for decades. Um, so I'm still doing that part of my job. Um, in, in our business, and maybe like what you do in real estate here, that to be really close to what the business is you need to be in the business yeah and um so i just have added other duties hr duties um 
strategic planning, vision thinking. I mean, that's probably most of what a lot of what I do is, is really like guiding the company towards new directions, what needs to happen, but really giving the younger folks the opportunity to spread their wings and make it their own. So at what point did you start having more of like a leadership position? So I, I would say, you know, kind of move fast for me. I'm a good person to drop in and see what holes need to be filled. Mm-hmm. And um, in a 1992, I'd had my third baby. So, you know, you talk about yours, three mm-hmm. under four. Um, so it's 1992. I'm now 30 years old. Oh, she's just getting comfy over here. Say, she's snuggling right out. Um, <laughs> and I was home breastfeeding a baby when my dad showed up with the sales and marketing manager, a guy by the name of Butch Getty, and said, you know, we're thinking about splitting these two positions apart. Would you become sales manager? So I became sales manager on maternity leave. And you were about 30 at the I time? I was 30. Um, and so that was your first time where you were overseeing leadership and, and right. had some responsibility of, of uh, yeah, organized organization. Um, and all, all men. And I can tell you one of our branch offices, and that would probably be the second thing I would tell you, that we used to have a lot of branch offices in smaller communities because you, know, you weren't as connected with the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad showed up one day and uh, the gentleman said to him, well, I'm having a problem working with Dina. He said, well, what's the problem? He said, well, she's female. And he told me that. And I said, well, I don't know how I'm going to change that. I realize (laughs) there are ways to change it, but it was not in my, you know. So anyway, um, some people have worked out, some people have not. But my dad was always really my greatest cheerleader, basically saying, look, you know, this is who's running the show here. And if your issue is merely a gender issue, that's not an issue. Um, Do you find, has that become a little easier now? Oh, Today's yeah. day and age? Oh, yeah. Because I think like... Oh, we're mostly females on the sales team now. Yeah. we've It's completely a 180 the other way where um, you know, we've gone from 80%, uh, you know, from the male standpoint even to, gosh, we're... What did I do the numbers the other day? We're only 20% men on the whole team. We have thir- the- 38 people. We've got seven, eight men. Yeah. Okay. So I... Because like where we were too, I am... I mean, from a male perspective we're probably about the same numbers mm-hmm. and then, like office every day there's three there's four basically i count myself a little bit on like the staff aspect of it but there's three females and i'm the only male so like this is always kind of the joke that i'm yeah. just like the only guy here majority of the time um but i find i've always looked at i mean i grew up with uh, two sisters mom you know and, and have worked with females my whole life that oh, he's fine F- females uh my whole life that, that it doesn't really it's never really changed. Like I've always just, I don't know, I've always worked a lot with females throughout my life and just through different things that it doesn't seem any different if you're taking, you know, leadership from a female or having them as a peer or something like that. So, and I think maybe it's just generational. We just grew up more with it. Yeah, I think it is very generational. In fact, uh, we love men. There's no reason why, you know, like we really like the balance. The gender balance is good for, I think, every organization. We've got a lot of great capable women. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think where where I go with this is that even now the generation probably doesn't see that women were ever treated lesser than. Mm-hmm. Um, and for many of us that grew up in the 80s, definitely in a time when it was women were expected to do it all, and we took that on ourselves. So I can't really you know, blame that so much on... And this is with like work and Well, work and, and yeah, motherhood and community. So I, I said yes, like I said, I said yes to like everything that was asked of me. I said yes to it. And... Um, and I was running around with the kids, taking them to every doctor's appointment and going to every game they were in and showing up for when they were sick at school and, you Mm -hmm. know, and it goes on and on. And that was something that, that has, has changed. I think a lot for, you know, your gen, you have true partners, 
if you're fortunate enough to have a partner or if you don't want one, I guess, you know, politically correct, whatever works for you. Uh, but I'm a fan of true partners. And I would say that in more marks in my recent years, he's, he does all the cooking and the shopping now and everything. Mm-hmm. I just became bad at it and he got better and, you know. Well, I think that's, and, and that's one of the things like day to day, I, I, I have a lot of my plate here and running a lot of stuff. So my wife stays home with the kids and she does, she does massage on the side and she's still like, so she's got like her job, which is, you know, a decent schedule. I wouldn't say she's full time, but she's definitely more than part time. She mm-hmm. has people every day and then she has, you know, kids and one of our kids is in school and, but she still runs like our house. So like yeah. I, I kind of call her the CEO of our house because um, I do a lot around the house and I try to pick up slack here and there, but she's around all the time. Like even today we had some just minor household stuff that pops up mm-hmm. and she's making the calls and she's coordinating and people are coming over and she's yeah. doing all that. And it's, and the benefit is it allows me to freeze me up to do all the stuff here and kind of like split the two. And then I can really go home and try to be home and not have to feel like I have to do a million things. So, but I think the, the hard part, I'm actually curious on a couple fronts for you. It's cause I find that I'm getting more into leadership roles and that's something that um, I've had to learn like real estate to me is, I kind of say it's like autopilot because I've been doing it for 11 years now. So like the actual selling and buying of homes is just what I've always done at sales. Mm-hmm. But then I start looking at, okay, now leadership. Now we have, you know, since I've kind of started taking over operation, we've in theory tripled, well, we had went from one staff to three staff. And now we're agent wise. We've, I think doubled or tripled the amount of agents in about two and a half years. Now with that becomes a lot of just moving parts and a lot of people and, you know, and I'm trying to focus on growth. And when you talked about balancing it all with family and balancing it all with work and balancing it all with just the odds and ends of day to day, and then also when to, what to focus on, what to say no to, what to, you know, that's the kind of stuff that like, how, how did you evolve into trying to keep everything together and do everything? And then also making sure your priorities were taken care of. It it took a while. Yeah. I I applaud you for thinking that through earlier. I said it earlier. I said yes to everything. I became president of the United Way board when I was also pregnant and in a new role. Um, And same ask. So, you know, like I I would say that it has been learned over time. I very smart uh, HR manager that retired now from Northern Insuring 11 years ago. Her name was uh, Virginia Smith. And I remember the day that she said to me, you know, you have a little bit of an issue with boundaries. You, there's a really good book by Henry Cloud. And I, I actually just gave that book away as part of the women in business. We had some books that each one of us that was on a panel were talking about meetings. And I recommend it for people to read because if you, if you don't like honor your own, what's it called again? It's called uh, boundaries. Um, by Dr. Henry Cloud, and good news is it's still available. And actually, I think it's been updated in the last five years. Um, I, I, I'm a, whatever it is that suits you, I think people should set boundaries with people. They should know what our boundaries are. We don't need to say yes to everything. So I then became a little pickier about things that I was willing to say yes to. And I'll tell you right now, I'm saying no to anything new. I said yes to you because it's a one and done. Yeah. But anything that requires longer meetings, big commitment, committees or anything and it's not that i don't love the organizational of the people i think they're terrific uh it's just i'd like to rather grow my younger team and have them be part of it and um i'm at a point now where i'm on the university of vermont health network board also i chair their planning committee and starting in the new year i'll be on a different committee in addition to that and i I put a lot of energy into healthcare regionally and what needs to happen there and i'm a trustee at a bank and i'm 
I mean, I'm still like, you know, I was reading the stuff you're doing. Yeah. Like, it kind of made my head spin. So yeah. And that's, I guess what I would say is I'm still through COVID. Some of the things aren't happening as much. And I've just taken a, a good healthy step back and said, you know, maybe it's time for some other people to be doing that. Yeah. It's like slowing down to get ahead a little bit, like taking some stuff yeah. off your plate and allowing you to kind of focus other directions. I, well, yeah, maybe a little more on just not, not doing all those things. I got a yeah. dog here I'm yeah. thinking about and she's training. Um, she just passed her canine good citizen test a couple months ago and she's training to be um love on a leash therapy dog okay and she's good at it in fact we were up at plattsburgh state for about an hour today they asked the group to bring their pets up and i went with another dog and i still have a supervisor with me but the kids were some of them planned it exact they would come down because the dogs were there and they that kind of therapy is priceless so when you talk about because i know you're um like your company and your family and it has done a lot with giving back and a lot of, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I kind of, I look at, again, I have a lot of respect for, for you guys and for your company and just seeing kind of like, it's a small business, but then has expanded. And like, then I strip it off. I always strip it back to if somebody else has done it, you can do it kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So I always look at like, there's certain companies that, especially cause you're local and you can, if somebody could do it locally, then you can do it. So I look at you guys as a very good, um, I guess goal of what an office or, or a company could get to, mm-hmm. and then kind of knowing the people that have been through there and knowing, um, you know, your reputation. But I also like trying to give back the best I can. Obviously, I'm in a different stage of life where you know things are chaotic, but we try to do certain things. We did like a, we I run this golf tournament every year, which is out, um, yeah. which is you know picking up quite a bit of steam, which I'm excited about. But we have you know different things. But I look at what you guys have done with giving back and charity and uh, reading a lot of this like mentorship and right. Um, is that something you've always been good at is that or always you know put precedence on i think so did you get it from your your father oh yeah it's all in our blood and our Mm -hmm. dna in fact we have a um corporate citizen kind of uh i would say a description as part of our values that it's the time talent treasure kind of you know you give back of your time you give back in your finances that you can fund people through donations or advice that you can give to others my grandpa was very really like wonderful person for doing all that i can remember as a kid one night he got called even to give blood at the hospital they were short on something and he left my grandparents house in the middle of dinner or whenever was happening to my grandmother going where are you going glenn you know it's like you know they would call he would just go mm-hmm. so i would say i grew up with that and i've always had that in me it's pretty natural and it's not just me it's not just the family it's really the whole organization mm-hmm. we did a survey um now a few years ago but just to say what else are people doing and a lot of people are doing different types of things. So it doesn't have to be just what, what I believe. It's find something that you care about. And um, I'm just thinking one gal worked for us for now longer than I have. She's our longest working person other than my dad at the organization. And she's involved in her church in Willsboro. And um, we were just meeting with John Bernardi at the NI way to do some additional training and made a good connection that here's another resource that people can give to find a way if, they're, if they need um, something beyond what a JCEO or United Way or whatever else can do. That's another. So I just say like a lot of people, it's not just me and it's not just my dad and it's not just Colin, our son and my brother, Randy Geltz is involved too. Um, Ed Davis, who's the senior vice president for us is really involved in a lot of things as is Tammy Bell Martin. You know, it's just kind of goes on and on. Well, I know, I know like uh, I'd say maybe the, 
the younger group coming through. Like I know, uh, like Bryce played in that tournament with us. Yeah, and then, uh, I was gonna say, like, do you want? I he was good. Just, he was the best. He was on my team. So we, I, he well, he's well. an awesome golfer too. Yeah. So you know, there's a balance. But um, but I would say, you know, Bryce is involved in things. So is Tiffany Garcia yeah, is I know Tiff very well. super involved in um, so many things and. Um, it just, you know, like I want to just say, cause I'm going to miss somebody's name in this, but really I would say 80% of the people in the organization have things that they're involved in. People are on school boards. That's our IT guys on the Chasey school board. Yeah, and, yeah, Jason. um, yep. And so, you know, see, I'm telling you names. He's with my dad on the board. He's yeah. So, you know, yeah. you get, you get where I'm, where I'm going yeah. with this. And, um, we've had people that, um, Alzheimer's walks are important to them. We just did a garage sale this summer where employees donated all their favorite non-needed items and it went to the third age adult daycare center mm-hmm. uh, for one of our employees' mom got early um, Alzheimer's. And so we raised some $800. You know, it's just like, you know, those are good things to do and yeah. it empties out people's clutter that they don't need. And yeah, it's a win-win. Yeah. Um, well, I, like I said, the, the giving back aspect, I, I just... I always look, and I had a, a friend of mine. He, he told me, he goes, "You pretty much you you earn, you save, and you give." Like in, as a business, like mm-hmm. you kind of, if you put it in real general terms, is yeah. that you spend time accumulating, whether it be wealth or finances or whatever. But then at the end of the day, it's like you can only do so much because that um, it, it's better going to someone. I think I think more. I get more out of giving to someone than I do from getting, and I think right. most like I think you're mostly like the same way. It's like. You know, you kind of have what you want, and if you can afford what you want, or you can, there's things that you can do that you want. Mm-hmm. And I think for some people, if they're not in that position, they said being able to kind of lend a hand or help Absolutely. out feels better than anything I could ever give. Yeah, or and, receive. I mean, you know, and making sure that I answer like when you ask me, "Is this always been part?" And how do you decide? How do you know? Well, I, again, let me just reiterate: it has to be something authentic to the individual, something they care about. Like you don't join an organization because it looks good on your resume. I realize mm-hmm. in high school sometimes that happens, but mm-hmm. it usually never works out because if it isn't your thing, mm-hmm. then you know. So you have a passion. You know, for you're it. a golfer. You got to have a real. And we tell that to people: mm-hmm. what is what is your passion? Find your passion and do that. And then I'm still back to boundaries because we. I happen to, unfortunately, or fortunately, have a lot of passions and lots of things that interest me, and I genuinely curious person i love people and i love helping out that's not really good though and at some point i i did get to a point where i said what are the parameters of an organization that really fit with what i have time to give and one of the things that was a hard rule for me is it had to have a paid staff and i know that seems uh maybe hard to say but you know we have a lot of not-for-profits here that don't have paid staff and if you are their board president you are their non-paid staff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, if that resonates with you or not. And if you have time to do that, I think that's great. But I already had a career and I had my family. And, you oh, know... the organizations you were on were paid. They, they were not. They didn't... Some of them did not have an executive director. Mm-hmm. And it just became too... That became too much for me, yeah. personally. So that was like a hard rule that I... Yeah. It wasn't that they were bad organizations. It just didn't it fit... Ba- with the boundary you said. Just didn't fit with what what I had time to donate. Yeah. And that's, and that's, as I talk about transitioning more into leadership and running the company, cause I, I don't know if we really have titles, but I guess you could say CEO would be my title too. If yeah. we're on a small organization, it's, um, but I look at that with the idea of like wanting to grow, but then I, I, to me, I've, um, are you familiar with a 80, 20 rule Pareto's principle? Say it again, slower. Uh, the 80, 20 rule. Okay, keep Par- going. Pareto. It's called the Pareto's principle. No, I don't know that. Um, so basically, it's stating that like eighty percent of your um, 
like 80% of what you receive or get is from 20% of your output. Yeah. So if you focus on 20% of okay. your day, really brings in yes. probably the majority of I haven't of the heard results. it called that, but I'm familiar with okay. what you're so, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's basically trying to say no to the 80% stuff. And right. what is my 20% that really moves the needle forward? And yeah. I'm in that weird position where I still am doing a lot of sales. Mm-hmm. and that, But I'm trying to find that quiet downtime to think and do yeah. projects. And yeah. I, yeah. I, so... My guess for, for my thought for you is being the visionary, being like the where is big picture, where is this going? How often do you get a chance to just like sit down and it's just Dina? It's it's not I, I'm not answering the people, I'm not responding right. to messages, I'm not answering emails. I'm just sitting quietly in my own mind, thinking, planning, strategizing. Like how often do you get to do that? How long do you get to do that? Do you have a special place that you do that? Yeah, well, you know, I'm a little sad that it's gotten cold out because I swim, like seriously swim in the summer. Okay. And I just... Lake water? Yeah. I just stopped on the 13th because we needed to pull our dock. But it always puts me into a little bit of a sad place. So when I swim, a lot of that's very meditative. So I'll swim for 20, 30 minutes every morning. When I, when the weather's good, I don't, the waves don't even bother me, but it has to be 62 degrees and above for me to be like, okay with the lake. So I'm a real swimmer. Now I've, now I've just started biking. So a lot of times I'm not a good, like I've tried meditation, just sitting. It doesn't really do well by me, but I, I think meditation takes on lots of forms. Mm -hmm. So walking meditation, I'm a big gardener. Mm -hmm. Um, and I spend time now I'm like on the bike. So whether I can put it with exercise or even playing with the dog, that for me is my, I consider that quiet time. So, you know, even though you're saying, when do I just sit down quietly? I do like a cup of coffee in the morning. I'm a very early riser. I love the quiet, love to read the newspaper, the local papers, whatever we have. And I read a national paper too. So a lot of times that's just thinking time for me, Galen. Now, do you, now when you're doing that, when you come up with ideas and are you, mm-hmm. like for myself, I like, I like quiet, not in, not being interrupted for a few hours. And I know it's tough, like for me, because I get into like a deeper head And you've got kids. That's why it's it's a very hard hack to get, yeah. like right now. But it's, I try, um, yep. but for me, it's just to take all my thoughts that have, like I take a lot of notes. I email myself mm-hmm. notes all the time because things are going through my head. I'm like, good idea, good idea, good idea. But I have a, I actually have a Word doc on my computer mm-hmm. called Whiteboard, which used to be yeah, up here. Yeah, I know that, yeah. And uh, instead of having all my stuff written up, I put it on the, my document called whiteboard, which yep. is just a long list of my thoughts and things. Right. And then I would say once or twice a year, I'll, I'll it's probably 20 something pages now, but I'll just go through all the lines and be like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to grab that one. I'm going to grab that one. And then I, I pick what I want to work on. I know it's not all going to be done. No, but I think that's a, you know, again, everybody has their own style of how they do things. Um, I, I, well, I'm a list maker. I tend to come up with pretty concrete directionality of what I'm doing. And then I develop it out. Um, and, I can usually, like I say, if I'm swimming and then I'll, I maybe come out of that with here's two, three things I need to do. Or in the morning, I'll just have, here's a couple touch points. I do a lot of reading and I'll usually have a personal book that I like to read along with a business related book. And, um, and I also attend different conferences. I've even done reading vacations where I just take a stack of books and go and read half a dozen books while I'm away. And then that helps me maybe generate some thoughts but I don't know, like you, you know, you. I admire you. If you can do that with kids around, good for you. We've got a pretty busy house. Yeah. Um, my parents live a half a mile from us. Colin and Lauren are here in town. We've got the dogs. I mean, it just feels like we're kind of a high traffic, which I love, you know, I love. Yeah. Um, but I'm an introvert. People don't really understand that about me. I'm not 
the extrovert. I, I think I'm like you. I'm a, I'm an introverted extrovert. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think you and Colin talked about this too. Although I think he's more of an extrovert extrovert. Um, because he's got, but you all talked about, you know, going to after hours and some of those things where you're oh, like, yeah. you know, yeah. and, um, I, I would say for me though, I like to drive quietly alone. I have about a 15 minute commute every day, um, that I'm in. So I, I don't know, maybe that doesn't answer your question, but it sounds like we're getting to the same result, but having a different approach to it. Yeah. Maybe I've been doing it long enough now, but usually I set on like, um, working on a strategic plan specific item right now. And so I kind of like bookmark that and then I build it out and then I try it on, meaning, you know what I mean? Like try it on, I kind of like, I mull it and my, in background, it's like my head spins through the, how will that play out? How will that play out? So I'm having these maybe other things going on, but my head at the same time is figuring out how these other things can play together. Um, so I feel like I've been gifted with an ability to think very quickly yeah. and process quickly and I'm very linear and how, I, and it's not like I'm unmovable. It's just that I can see A to B. And I can usually process, okay, somebody go over here and touch base here and do that. And you got to take care of this before this goes anywhere. Here's some things that you got to do so that we're making sure we got the team all rowing in the right direction as it goes. Are you very decisive? Very. Okay. I would say, but I'm not unmovable. I'm, I'm decisive with data. The data points one way, absolutely. Um, but we have a lot of room for people to convince otherwise if they have different information or... You know, sometimes gut sense is the way that you got to go on things. Maybe there's no data. Usually, I don't flounder around too long. I'm a I'm a pretty clear <laughs> I'm a pretty clear. So people thinker. know where you stand. And- they absolutely know. If they don't know, they haven't been paying attention. So, <laughs> so um, okay. So there's a couple things I want to build off of that, and I'll come back to. But I want to still stay with the, the morning. Um, wait, there's two there's two words I'm going to write, and we'll we'll dive into those after. But so morning time. What time do you wake up? Around five, sometimes four thirty. And naturally. Okay. Just awake. And do you go to bed pretty early? What's early? Like I would say before ten. Sometimes. Okay. So you, but you're not yeah. like you're not like I have to be to bed by nine, I'm up by four. It's kinda like no, you go to bed when you feel tired. I don't set an alarm. Yeah, I have a wind down routine. Yeah. And at what point in the morning do you start how much are you like to Dina time before you have to start answering to other people or, or in the See, mode? I don't mind that though. I'll get on email six o'clock and I have to, it's ridiculous, but I have to scan through my spam folder too, to make sure there's anything yeah. that's stuck there. Um, I'm taking a look at what's come in overnight, take a look at my schedule, anything else that has to go in there. Yeah. I will answer emails super early. Okay. So then what happens is, so it's quiet, read all the newspapers. Then I'll answer emails for a while. Um, feed the dog. Mark and I have a routine. We love to sit in the hot tub for, you know, 20 minutes. I'll swim or I'll do spike or I'll do something else. Um, breakfast, which means I'm back to, is anything else popped up? What else needs to happen? And then, you know, we have a little bit of a short conversation and then it's like out the door. And you're out the door at what time? Heading to um, work? You know, lately it's been a little later, I would say, maybe 8.30, quarter okay. to nine. I, I used to be much earlier than that, but because I can do so much from home and I've got a home computer set up, that if I can't do something from my phone or my iPad, I log in. And that way I can do things that way too. And, and I'll field phone calls that time of day or what, you know, well, I mean, that's kind of, that's okay with me though. Are you good at... Um shutting everything off and just having time mm-hmm. for yourself. I am. Okay. So at a certain time at night, everything's off, mm-hmm. but I, I still keep a landline. So all your listeners that are listening here, if you want to look up my landline, you can still call me. And I do that. The pages? Well, I do that. Yeah. Right. I do the that in, pages, in, intentionally though, because if, 
you know, we say people can text us, but I don't sleep with my phone next to my side of bed. I don't even have my noises on. It won't beep. It won't do whatever. It will vibrate for ring. So if you want me, you can call the office. You can call our landline. You know, you can call somebody else and say, find her. I'm a good responder, but I'm not. It's not glued to your hip. No. And I, I would tell you by the time dinner rolls around, I will, I'll shut it off or put it down. And then I might check it one more time before maybe seven, eight o'clock at night. And that's usually just see if there's any texts. You know, I, I think it's fair to say, and this is a really good point in business that people need downtime. Mm-hmm. And we tell our staff that too. And if I'm the boss and I'm emailing people at silly hours, then what are they supposed to do? Yeah. And I don't believe that. That's just not, it's not our culture. We encourage people when you're on vacation, you need to be on vacation. Now yeah. for some people coming back to a million emails doesn't work. Um, for other people, we can turn their email off for them and they could just have a break. And usually by the time they get back, most everything's taken care of anyway, or somebody will reach out to them. Yeah. Um, so I try and do that at least once a year where I, but most of our people, even if they're on vacation and they're still checking, they're winding down, they have their away message up and they're not answering as many, you know, as many things. Yeah. I think it, I think it's important because we're so connected nowadays yeah. with, and I think that's one of the hard parts is people have access to your phone and like I, I kind of joke it, but yeah. not really with people. I'm like, I get texts 365 days a year about sure stuff, do. even Christmas. Like I'll get some sure. random text middle of the Christmas day being like, Hey, by the way, that listing came up. Yeah. Can we go look at it this week? And it's like, sure. Dude, it's no, and I won't respond to them, but I don't leave someone not like I'll, I have to text them at some point during yeah. the day. I think you're in a tougher business in some ways because you're working with people that are usually on the off hour yeah. when they yep. can do things. So weekends, evenings, mm-hmm. Christmas, as you say. Yeah. Um, while our business, it's more predictable mm-hmm. in that sense. So as we have to set bound, I'm back to that boundaries, guidelines, expectations, culture. Um, I got, I hope I'm not, you know, emailing or texting my staff on Christmas unless it's a true emergency. That, like I say, that just wouldn't, wouldn't happen. Yeah. But there are things that come up. If we have a client that's having a serious issue, I don't care what time of day, night it is, my people know how to reach me. Mm-hmm. They'll get me and we'll respond to what's needed. Um, yeah, because insurance, it, sometimes yeah. it can be slow, 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 and then oh, all of a sudden, bam, yeah. all hands on deck. That's and- really how it is. And, you know, obviously tragic fires happen mm-hmm. and people die. Weird stuff happens that people don't even know if they have a problem with it. And um, we had some focus group meetings in our office um, at one point here and we asked businesses locally why they like doing business with us and one of the I still remember one of the people said because you don't laugh when we call you at our ridiculous things that we're calling you about and it would never have occurred to me to laugh at someone but if you are a client and you just don't even know the answer to something I mean so many people think it's just they think it's a bother, but that's what we do. Yeah. I mean, call us with your ridiculous questions. Yeah, your silly questions. We like, will not. We will not laugh at you. Yeah. We promise. Unless you're laughing, and you would invite us to laugh with you, and then we will all be laughing. But I, I think it's people are embarrassed. They've gotten in a car accident, or they've gotten the DWI, and they know what impact that's going to have on their driving, their history, their job, their whatever. And those are not funny. You know, they're not funny things. It's kind of a. Um, first to say, are you okay? And then what do you need from us? So how, um, you said it before, but like, how do you make insurance sexy? Is it just like, yeah. So, so here's the thing is, is that I'm always joking about it, Galen. I mean, I think you can make anything fun. I say sexy, but you know, it's, I get that we read contracts all day long. That's what we do. It's kind of hard to make that really exciting. However, 
Um, the purpose of what we do is like we say we don't sell insurance. We're really giving people the ability to live their lives the way that they want to live their lives, right? Mm-hmm. So you, we're part of their planning process. We're part of their business planning. They're part of their um, employee group planning. We're part of their personal lines, their home, their auto, their toys, their everything else that they have. So it's got to be the bigger why. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever you know listened to the Simon Sinek. Yeah, that's on my shelf. Is it on the back idea. behind yeah. me? Yep. And the dog has completely gone to sleep now on my lap. She's doing great here. So, um, <laughs> but you know, like, what's your why? And it's it's really got to be a matter of it's got to be something bigger than yourself. And what's your obligation to other people? And what's the good that you're doing to make a difference for people? Um, because if you don't have good insurance, I hate to tell you, and it doesn't pay when it should, or you don't know what, that you made a decision that you didn't want something, because that's the other thing, is educating people so that they are making good decisions puts people out of business. Um, I mean, it, or they might not be able to rebuild or live their lives like they were before. Yeah, and the insurance, like I kind of take, like real estate, I think a lot of people get drawn to real estate because it is that sexy industry of photos and videos Way and more sexy game. Yeah, and it's visual, and which I, I like, in the sense that it makes it easier sometimes because people are more interested in it. There's no, there's really no TV shows on insurance, but there's TV yeah. shows on realtors. And, and but I look at kind of the insurance portion of it. It's like everybody has or should have insurance on certain things, and it's you don't care about it until you need it. And then everybody's it's, right. it's, it's what you gripe about. But then when it comes in, you're like yeah, you know, some people in. do care. And I really, I would say to people, you know, when you think about your most trusted advisors. Um, you know, your realtor comes and goes, right? Yeah. So they are your trusted advisor really in that moment, and you should pick a good one. I'm a fan of that. But your everyday people, you need a really good accountant mm-hmm. um, for tax, audit, whatever you're doing, an attorney. I realize a lot of people don't mean attorneys, but you really want to have one before you, you know, before yeah. you need one. Insurance is in that category too. And I'm talking about the things from a business that yeah, you really... And- yeah, finance and, mm-hmm. um, and having people on your team. And I would tell you, most of the times, even with my clients, I'm getting asked questions that aren't even insurance related. They're very much related to either the strate- strategic direction of their organization or it could be, you know, I need a contractor for such and such. Do you know anybody? I mean, yeah. we get asked, you know, where are the dry cleaners in Plattsburgh these days? I'm like, I don't know. Or who do you take your dog to for grooming? So a lot of these things come up that are, um, they could be serious and they could be confidential. They could be a business that's, you know, going to be bought or sold or they're going to buy something else. And there's absolutely no way that we should be talking about it. And I consider those relationships, they're just, you know, completely private and they're not something that we're sharing with other people. So having good advisors that you trust that are already on your team before you need them, absolutely. Well, that's a kind of what you piggyback off of that. When you talk like real estate, I hate I hate the term salesperson. So like if you get in real estate, you're a real estate, you're a licensed real estate salesperson. But I always looked at it and said the salespeople just give me that like you know used car salesman vibe, and I'm like I hate that. Like my thing is the same thing as advisor. It's like I've I've spent many you know years learning something i've spent years diving in i've seen years of trends of the industry and i use that because i know anybody walking through the door 99.9 percent of people would not know more than what i know in my field i mean Mm -hmm. they know a lot more 99.9 percent of everything else but like you spend so much time dealing with one industry you get good at it so then i look at that as not like a salesperson but like hey i know i can really help you you like mm. what's your goal a b like you're like you said straight line here's your goal <laughs> let me try to help you let me try to see foresee all the stuff that could come up and try to alleviate any problems and do the best we can to mitigate any risk and that is something that i've always just kept with me and then you start talking with your your why which 
I remember starting out and got into real estate. I might say this with Colin. Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I got in. I, I, it was a better, had more freedom of my, my, my schedule than working at a nine to five or mm-hmm. one, one to nine at the time. And uh, it wasn't until I had that breakthrough when I was probably like 25 years old where I was like, you know what? I can, I can really make a difference in a person's life right. based on my information. And it had nothing to do with getting a commission check. It had nothing to do with getting it. my name as a sale. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment where I was like, all right. And then- Probably two to three years later, my why changed again because now I was like, okay, can I build out the company? Now can I affect more people? So that's been like the new why over the last couple of years. And I have long-term visions of like 50 years down the road. Mm-hmm. And the thing I, I admire about you and, and kind of the whole company that you guys are dealing with is a lot of them follow a similar path to what you guys have already done. So, I mean, you take like yeah. the years and decades that you guys have put into this um, then I'm kind of looking at it like, Hey, that's a pathway that I like, but I know it's doable. I know people mm-hmm. locally have done it and you know, I know it's possible I could do it or someone else could do it. And so how is your, why has your, why always stayed the same? Has it evolved? Has it shifted? Cause you've been so, in different positions. Well, I would tell you that that has been a more recent thought that mm-hmm. when I think about, um, what's changed in the world is just that kind of perception from companies that are doing great things is it's got to be about something bigger. And so that, I don't think my why was always there. I don't know that we really talked about it, although I certainly knew what a difference I was making in people's lives. When you're showing up and you, um, I was thinking it's, I try to say it without giving the client away, but it was a major million dollar plus claim. And I went the day that the event happened and sat at the table with the insurance company representatives. I want to say it was within 24 hours. And they cut them a check for advance payment on it. And I looked at the person who was my contact and I said, I know this is terrible right now, but it will be better. And it's not, insurance isn't going to make it all better, but it's going to make a lot of things better. And they had full coverage on what they needed and um, were able to put themselves back together fairly quickly. And that's when, you know, when you think what's really our, what's our why, that's the moments where you go in that life experience takes you to the point where you go, oh, this is why, Yeah. you know, this is the moment where we've really made a difference for this individual. I would tell you on the other side what we do for employees, we're 38 employee organizations. So that's a lot of families across from Glens Falls to Potsdam. So we're in five counties, um, three with offices, but really covering the five county region. And we know what it does for families that have stable work and a you know, good work environment, and they can count on that getting paid. Um, when you think about some businesses, it's tight sometimes to issue paychecks or you don't know whether you're going to be able to keep that job or not keep that job with reasons outside of the owner's control sometimes. Um, so that, you know, I think about like the why of what that does for people too. And we're, we're taking our team on a fall outing this weekend. We missed last year because of, I call it stupid COVID, but anyway, we missed it because of stupid COVID, but every year we do a fall outing. used to be a Christmas outing. That was the tradition that was started years and years ago. And then we switched it to fall because it was a less busy season than Christmas. And we're treating the staff to an overnight, a dinner, dancing, um, at a, at a hotel that we've booked in a place with uh, a beautiful facility. So, so we go to different places. So it isn't always one place, but so how is, uh, 
like company culture, like how, how big mm-hmm. is that for you? Because I'm, I'm assuming most company cultures stem from the top. So they come both ways, but I would believe, yes, that um, if an owner says they're not influencing culture, I would say the same thing. You're not paying attention um, because culture exists, whether you influence, you direct influence or pay attention to it or not. Every organization has a culture. Yours is probably the fun culture. Right, you all like, have a, like all to. have a lot of fun here. I try to, yes. Yeah. yeah. So you see, like you're a, you're a fun place to work. Like um, it's a serious job, but you don't take it all so seriously. Yeah, I joke and, all the time. Yeah. Right, right. So we we do that too. That's part of what we we believe in. We just worked to refine our guiding principles and values and broke them apart and came down to three values that we felt were the most important for us to um to have everybody know. And we had too many before. Not that. You know, that's bad, but too many is too many. Can't yeah. remember too many. Integrity is the first one. The second one's community. And the third one's respect. And um, with candor, I can tell you that integrity is what this business was built on. We are honest to fault. We follow through on our commitments. Um, we do not cheat, lie, steal, or do anything else. Absolutely no. No tolerance. Zero level. <laughs> you know, yeah. our companies, their vendors that we deal with can count on that. Our employees can count on that. Our clients can count on that. Um, does that mean that inadvertent mistakes do get made? Sure. We're human, but they're not intentional. And if I ever have somebody that does not follow that as a staff member, that is a deal breaker for me. Absolutely no go. Community, we talked about earlier at length. I don't need to expand more. Mm-hmm. There's an expectation that that is rooted in our culture. And the third one of respect um, is worth talking about because I would tell you that we have a lot of mutual respect for each other and um, trust as a team. And that's critical to an organization. Really, teams that trust each other function better as a whole. This last year and a half has challenged us and everyone in ways that I think were unimaginable before. You know, who knew that we were going to be in people's health? And um, not like we just said, you had a cough, go home. I mean, are you vaccinated? Are you unvaccinated? Do you, should you be vaccinated? Um, should you not? What does New York say? What does CDC say? What are all these things? So we're way in more into people's stuff than ever I thought was fun. It's been very unfun year and a half on many yeah. levels. Yeah. And yet, if you look at how we need to be with each other, respect has to be at the core of that. We don't have to believe all the same things. Like, in fact, we shouldn't. Everybody's different. And yet, what is that level that we respect each other and we respect their difference of opinion and we can have civil discourse with people? So we came back to that and did some additional training around that just to re-anchor what that means and what respect means. And... Um, I think that's good. You know, sometimes the world pushes us in directions that we go, yikes. And we got to kind of step back and say, all right, team. (laughs) But if you have a good foundation, so culture, I mean, I absolutely know that I've influenced culture. So has my family, but so is the terrific group of people that we have. Mm -hmm. And I, I tell my mentees, and this is college mentees, high school mentees, that when you're starting at an organization and a company, it's really important to ask and know what the culture of that organization is before you get there. Because if it doesn't match with what your values are and what you believe in, you will not walk in on day one or week one or year one or year two and suddenly have it be your culture. It will not shift. And um, and and that's kind of like a good question point for what should people ask when they're looking to join an organization. One of the things we're fleshing out when we hire new people, like, what do you believe in? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and do we align? Because it's a lot to train people. It's a lot to get licensed in real estate, mm-hmm. right? And get really good at it. 
you don't dabble in these things. I mean, I guess some people maybe do dabble, but it really is not wise. Want to be excel at it? Oh, yeah, if you want to be, you want to, you know, achieve mastery in something, mm-hmm. kind of have to know what what you believe in and have that figured out and have it align. It, you understand what I'm saying, though? Yeah. When you talk about values, those are hardcore deal breaker type things. That's that's not every little thing. Like I'm a morning person, you're a night person. That is not a value. That's a behavior. There's lots of room on behaviors yeah. for for different people to thrive in in different environments. And we've even put together for our employees our promise to them and our promise to our clients. And um, and that came out of the guiding principles and values. So like our commitment to education, and we pay for education for our people. It's exceedingly important to us. People need to be well educated. Our employees need to know what they're talking about, and most of them have a designation. They all that are talking to clients have licenses. And then when you look at that and say, and then what does that mean to a client? They're making good choices. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what we expect and what our clients can expect. Yeah, it's the advisor rule. Like Absolutely. Say, making sure they're good at that. I, um, yeah. Now, what about, um, and again, kind of jumping back into leadership, um, setting expectations and keeping people accountable. How does, is that something that you're good at? Is that Absolutely. something? So this is something that, <laughs> this is something that, like I am, I, I think this is for a lot of people, but you analyze yourself quite a bit. Like I, I analyze myself yep. all day long, but not analyze myself as like, you're terrible, you're bad. I don't, it's not like negative mm-hmm. self-talk, but it's more of like, okay, recognize you're not good at this and let's try to figure out a way to get better at it. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things I was getting into leadership was I was really good about setting expectation to keep myself accountable, but then it was pushing it on other people. And my mindset's always, well, I don't want to be like, I want to say it, but I don't want to be like overbearing or I don't want to seem like I'm being demanding or like totalitarian and saying you have, this has to be done. Um, but I was always understanding of like, I'm going to tell you what I wanted you to do. And then I'm just going to trust that you do it, mm-hmm. which I know doesn't always happen that some people do need that. You know, you have to kind of ride them a little bit and say, That's Hey, true. listen, is it done? Is it done? Are you doing it with, you know, kind of balancing that fine line. But it's something that when I could like analyze my, my behavior as a leader, I would give myself a very low grade on expectation and holding people accountable. Not for the fact that I, like I said, it's just, I need to learn it. I got to get better at it. So, so you can, you know, these are things that you can Mm -hmm. learn. I would say that, um, I didn't have that skill. That's a great thing. You know, like that's something that you can read about. You can also develop tools and, um, and that's what, what you'll do. I have no doubt that you'll do that. The interesting thing is that I've never been a very good micromanager. Um, although some people, uh, thrive in that environment, right? Not everybody, because I think that's kind of you mean you know, being a leader micromanaging. Or yeah, the... or any of them. So okay. leader micromanaging other people, like you're really in their stuff. And I know some people do lead by that, and some teams work well with that. That does not work. That's not something that we have as part of what we do, mm-hmm. unless somebody d- <laughs> we really need to be in their stuff because it's either way over their head or they've gotten themselves in a pickle that they need to get out of, right? Yeah, <laughs> that you're yeah. kind of like, okay. So most, what we're really doing is we're setting it up for success from the beginning where there's clear expectations. Starts with the job offer. It, it's into yearly, we have annual performance development discussions. There's clear expectations, but even within sales, Galen, I would tell you that our salespeople set their own expectations. Um, funny story, but years ago, I had one of my salespeople say to me, you know, I really need to make more money. I said, this is great news. They said, no, I seriously, I need to make more money. And you know, the, you get a commission, so you mm-hmm. get how it works and you get a percentage of what that is. So you get how that works. And 
And I'm like, yeah, that part doesn't change. You just do better. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's a sales job. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. We are based on, I mean, at the bottom line is all of our why, but we do sell insurance yeah. and they, people have direct control over that mm-hmm. for themselves. How hard do you want to work? How good do you want to be at what you do? So, you know, that all said, yes, we have baseline expectations of what we're guiding people to do. But for the most part, we're not in people's stuff. Now, that's numbers. So you can guide that. If somebody's not into numbers, they're like an associate or, yep. you know, there's still other metrics that you can use in terms of what they're handling and the book size and relationships and a lot of other ways to make that work. Do you guys um, use metrics a lot to drive your business? Absolutely. So is every, because again, like I said, I'm, I'm learning, so I'm picking your brain a little yeah. bit on here, but the metric aspect, um, that's something that I've heard time and time again, and anything you list, anybody successful, like we'll check the numbers and check yeah. the metrics. So my, uh, one of my main things that I want to start <laughs> doing is diving into, I track my stuff. Yeah, like I, I have. Absolutely. See, had, you're driven. So, yeah. So I have a thing next to me, a friend of mine gave me back in 2015. If you actually can see that stack up there, those are papers from, from 2015. Of, yeah. I've tracked every week since 2015. Of course you have. And, but it, it, it allows me to know like, kind of I can give myself a kick in the pants and say hey listen like you didn't do something on my metric sheet right. and that's holding you back is I want every pretty much I mean not like being super anal about everything but making sure that our main metrics are eventually listed out so then I can at a glance look down and say like just right. strip, simply how many pendings do we have in a week yep. and then yep. build that back so, so that's it so building that in you remember we're a 91 year old company and um my dad's still involved there and I've been president now for what 13 years and I've really you know, since 1992, I've had direct influence on the company. So almost 30 years. That's a long time to, you know, develop and put these things in place. Mm-hmm. But you think about it, and I would say don't get overwhelmed with trying to do too many things. Pick one thing that's, you said earlier, 80-20. Like, your, what is your one thing? And for us, sometimes it isn't always the sales that we close, but it's the asks that we have. So if somebody's new in real estate, you probably want to just have them have enough activity yeah. Right. It, it, and that's kind of just get out there, get in the community. How many people did you talk to? And mm-hmm. that's a key metric from an early on standpoint. I would, I'm just a fan of data, yeah. data drives results. Um, and like it, you said, when you said you're decisive, it's like they have the data. I don't even have to think about it. Well, and if you, if you ever read crucial conversations, you know, I'm talking about all these books that we read, but our whole no, team no. has read crucial conversations. Don't ask me who wrote that, but I can give you that. I can give you that. I can tell you um, our whole team has read that book and we read it as part of the first week experience. When people start, they read that because a lot of where um, crucial conversations is, and this is like, even if I have somebody who's, like I said, they're in a pickle and they come to me and it's like, what's the data say on this? What do our notes say? What's the information? What's the situation? And if you start from data, you're already starting from a foundation. It's not the emotional. It's not the, I realize this is yeah. hard, but what do we know? And um, if you stick to facts, which is a lot of what this says, is then you're usually in a pretty good solid place right? Yeah. to start from. So that's, again, a culture influencer for us. So everybody knows how to have those tough conversations um, from the very beginning and how to give feedback, how to take feedback. Yeah. And that's, like I said, it, it, it'll stuff I'll get to, but... As I've been thrust more into it and, you know, looking at people that I think are, are, you know, great leaders locally in our community, it's like you kind of pick and, you know, what, what's something that, you know, you focus on or what metrics or what drives you or what, you know, and and I find that like, obviously for the term like success leaves clues, but you kind of look at like other people, if they can do it, then like what, what's working and trying to 
polish myself by taking in ideas and then what works and what doesn't. Or, or like you said, you could just reaffirm something that I I think deep down I know, but it's just not put in play. And you're like, no, yeah. I'll do that. Like Exactly. And I think that's where, look, you have your own style. Everybody has their own. I would never be prescriptive about how people have to have a style. But data is data. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. You know, you know exactly how many... Has, I know has, data within my and you know company, what yeah. and you know what you're going for and your why is bigger than that so I understand but you know you're driven by that success the mm-hmm. hardest thing I would say for you probably is those of us that are intrinsically driven and personally responsible to ourselves expect the same in other people so say that again like we expect other people to be the same as what we are yeah. and when we don't see it it's like what do you mean you don't have a system <laughs> you know like well, you have to have a system. And I, I actually, well, in taking that back, I heard this once from a, a business guy and he said that nobody should love the company or do more for the company than you if you own the company. Right. And I've always had that through my mind. I'm like, nobody should care more than me. Nobody should outwork me or be putting in more effort than I'm willing to put in because I, you're setting that expectation of, of certain effort level. Um, but I think it's also the same thing where I, I realize, especially in real estate, like there's high achievers and there's very like just they're they're kind of just mm-hmm. they have their license basically and they they're in everywhere in between, and it just blows my mind. I'm like, how how do you not want to, you know, do a certain task or do something or or go above and beyond? But everybody has their own level well, they, of they work, do, and some goals. some like, people need more guidance. I would tell you, the younger gen, they need more regular meetings, more touch points. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a Monday morning quarterback meeting with some of our younger folks. Um, it's a great analogy. People yeah. are really into football at my office. Yeah. I'm all for that. Sports analogies are key. <laughs> um, you know, when you, when you said earlier about effort, um, and I know we're getting we're getting yeah, to, we're almost we're, we're getting there, but we're wrapping up. But that's an important point, and I want to make sure. If you ever want to have another conversation, we can even do it offline. But um, effort is not always translated exactly into time. Okay? okay? So time does not equal effort. If people can figure out how to work smarter, you don't always have to work longer. Some people need to work longer because that's just the way they organize themselves. Um, so I always think it's kind of like when you say nobody should be working hard, giving more effort, like, I, I would tell you, it depends on how you define that. Because yeah. there are people that I would say, boots on the ground, in their office, like put in a lot more time than I do in a particular space. I I have a different job, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm out in the community. I'm on a different board. I'm with a client. I'm handling another problem. I'm jumping in an employee thing. I'm working from home, you know? like yeah. It's not measured exactly that way. Um, and I, I guess I would, I would say to you, that's always kind of something to really pin down because I don't, I don't measure those metrics as much as I measure out like the stuff that's important that you come back to. Um, so you're still back to what, where, what is this person's goals? What are they trying to achieve and how do you get there? Yeah. And, and like, um, like an effort for me when I really know, like when I can like tap myself on the back and say, good job, it's when I have focused effort, which okay, for see? me, it's. For That's me, right. it's like one, two, three hours of focus work on something right. I know I should be doing. And that doesn't, I don't even look at clearing through emails right. and going through client stuff as being like work now. Because when I talk about 80, 20, yep. that 20% that I know is really the main stuff, the vision, uh, the implementing all that, that to me, that is, if I can work on that, then I consider that a very productive day mm-hmm. where if I run around and have appointments, 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 well, good. I don't deem that as being yeah. a, an, ex- an um, a day that I can check mark as like that I got a lot of of satisfaction out of but 
Yeah, and I, I do hear you. You know, it's interesting when you say focus, and I learned early on in my career that focus to me means that I've just shut out other things. Mm-hmm. And I can be alone in my thoughts very much into something, and people are talking right outside my door, and I'm... I mean, that's a life skill for parents that have careers. Yeah. Or maybe parents that are just trying to survive. You know, whatever we're doing. And I, I learned, and a lot of my young parents know how to do that. They know they only have so much time to give, and they need to make it absolutely the most productive. And so that comes back to culture, too, is that I'm not prescriptive in saying, and you must be at this thing at this night, on this thing, and do this. People have lives. They have families. Mm-hmm. Figure out how to make it work smarter for you, you yeah. know? And, and fit in that, yeah. like said, that community Yeah, and, and where your focus is. So, you know, I tell people I need 100% from you, maybe 110 Get to bed at night. Get some rest. Mm-hmm. If you're burning the candle at both ends, you are not going to be your best self the next day. Yeah. You know, think about the choices that you're making and, and what you're putting your energy into. How are you feeding yourself and your body and your mind and everything else? And again, that's like, I don't try not to be in their stuff too much. But honestly, you know, we are an early business. We started eight in the morning or earlier. People are there 6 7 o'clock. And you just got to be careful how you're doing your off time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you owe it to yourself. I can't control that for people. Yeah. But don't ask me to take care of you if, you know, you're not bringing it. I, yeah. That's just kind of like, I would say that's very clear to people. And that's not just me. There is little tolerance for you just made a mess of yourself and now you want, no. <laughs> yeah. It's like partying too hard at night yeah. and having to sleep the rest of the day. It's like, no. Well, don't miss, well, I'm saying don't miss work because you partied up <laughs> exactly. till three in the morning. Like, I'm with you. you. No. Yeah. No. So, well, <laughs> Dana, we're going to wrap up there because of, um, I want to respect your time, but I... I'll be honest, this was, I, I have a lot of, like I said, I, I, I don't, I know your son more than I know you personally, yeah. but, um, you know, having just seen you guys out and about in the community and seeing obviously that, you know, the company for as long as I can remember and now knowing more people at the company just through, you know, networking or chamber events and things, it's, um, you got a great organization. Um, the people that work there again Terrific. are at least the ones that I know are, are excellent people. So they I'm assuming, I'm assuming that that branches out to the other 38 that are the other handful, yeah. what 30 something that I don't know, but they, uh, like I said, the stuff that you guys are doing to me is, um, it's just, it's, it's admirable. I, I like seeing it and, and, you know, it gives me, um, I really look at people that are doing well and companies that are doing well, because for me, it's, I'm always looking at that as like, okay, that's, that's motivation. Cause I'm like, if, if th- someone can do it, then why can't you do it? And then, mm-hmm. and then, and in your own way, like you said, it's not all, it's not a, Absolutely. a blueprint that you have to follow, but there's successes and there's things that you guys will leave that I can pick up on and be like, they're really good at this. There must be something to that. Or they're really good yeah. at this. And, um, like even down to, like you said, the company culture thing is something I love. And I remember I was at. Uh, lunch with Tiffany one day and she was talking about axe throwing and I'm like this is great like, oh yeah is, that was fun <laughs> but it's just like it's off the wall but it's different but it's fun and then like but then I look oh, at yeah. that I'm like okay there's company events and like so I, I do I, there's a lot of stuff I, I have yeah. focused on from your company from afar and like kind of take, taking oh, yeah. it back to the whiteboard and said how can I use this theme to maybe implement at Kavanaugh and then if it works, it's great. Or how can I build up on stuff? And um, yeah, so I think, I, and again, we didn't get to, I mean, there's, oh my gosh, you're involved in a ton of stuff. I'm I know okay. you give back. No. I know you're, well, from seeing it, I, I, like I said, there's a lot of cool stuff here, but I, uh, I appreciate I'm, I'm you okay. Coming. I'm okay with that. We're not, not going to talk, talk that's, about it. <laughs> that's good. So I'll, I'll let you get going, but I, I appreciate you coming on and I, a Zoom was fantastic today. Wasn't she great? Yeah. You know, she, Galen, uh, um, I want to thank you for, for having me. I didn't have an agenda coming in. I figured we just... <laughs> I figure it, really. <laughs> you know, figure it out. And I would tell you that, you know, like, is there any great corporate secrets here? Probably not because everybody has to make it their own. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like you can take this interview with me out and like you say, do a blueprint on it. I, I do think though that, um, 
there's a lot of important points that we talked about today. And for people listening, you know, my hope is that people are intentional about culture. They are intentional about their values and what they're, what they're saying. And however they do their meditation, whether it's 62 degrees in the water or totally snuggled up with, I don't know, as then like spans, whatever you works for you, it's finding what is right and find the culture that's right for you. And it's been fun talking with you. Yeah. And Zoom thought it was so great. She went to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was. She had her bone. She had her sleep. She's she's ready to go. She's ready to rock and roll for the night. So, yep. uh, Dino, again, thank you so much. Uh, that is episode one sixty seven of the Galen Trombley Show. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling G A E L A N T R O M B L E Y.